Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Well, good morning. It is Friday, May 19th. It's five minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Congratulations. We're so happy for you. You made it to Friday. So it's kind of like, uh, wow, Christmas happens in winter? After months of buildup and speculation, Ron DeSantis expected to officially announce that he's running for president next week. He's going to formally file paperwork with the Federal Election Commission and declare his candidacy. Of course, he can't ask for any money until he actually declares that he's running for president. We talk about this a lot when we offer free advice for people running for public office. Mm -hmm. And we say this is true, and it is true, whether you're running for a town council race or you're running for president of the United States. The worst thing you can do is get super wordy and super broad. You generally win your campaigns, all things being equal, right? Yeah. You know, obviously, if a guy like Jefferson Shree versus Abdul, there was there was no shot. The guy had a gajillion dollars. But in a case where all things are equal and it's candidate v. candidate and everybody's doing signs and everyone's doing mailers and everyone's doing ads, it is the topics that you choose to run on and how you run on those topics. And that sounds relatively simple and an almost well-duh type of thing. But Casey, you would be flabbergasted the amount of candidates who believe they have to weigh in on every single topic and they're not good at most of the topics and they distract from the things that actually might resonate with the majority of people. And so having said all that, the challenge for Ron DeSantis, and I say this sitting here today and I feel like I've been pretty good at politics, but I have no idea what those things actually are because Donald Trump and his association with his very loyal, unwavering group of voters is markedly different than almost any other politician in American history, period. So I don't know what the three or four things are that Ron DeSantis should focus on Mm -hmm. because I think there's so many people out there that no matter what he focused on and no matter where he points out that he would be better than Trump and no matter where he points out that he would govern more effectively or efficiently, especially in the areas of liberty and freedom and limited government spending, I'm not sure it matters. I don't know. I mean, in my head, I know what they are. But I'm not sure it's actually going to resonate. I think there are so many people out there, when you factor in the creative jelly bean counting that took place in 2020 in terms of tabulating the votes, the mass mail and unaccountable voting, the votes magically switching in multiple states after midnight, when you factor in what happened during COVID, when you factor in... um, the, the endless investigations of Donald Trump, when you factor in the weaponization of the Justice Department of prosecutors across this nation against Donald Trump, when you factor in the raid on Mar-a-Lago, when you factor in the Durham report that just came out, 
I think there's so many people out here who they don't even care who the best person is. They don't even care who would govern more effectively or efficiently and spread liberty and freedom. This is about extending a middle finger to the rest of society, (laughs) and I'm not sure you can reason with those people that you're the better candidate. Can you run on that? Here's my middle finger. I'm running for president. Well, he says that he's transformed Florida and turned it into one of the nation's leading red states, and he has the roadmap for the entire nation being tougher on immigration, restrictions on gender and diversity instruction in schools, uh, you know, all of his giving back tax money to the taxpayers. He's been economically sound in his country. He's traveling across the country talking about his book, The Courage to Be Free. Can he run on that? Is that enough? Well, Ron DeSantis, by traditional Republican primary standards, is an A-plus candidate. I mean, he is, by. I'm talking pre-Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis, if you were to create the perfect Republican primary presidential candidate in a lab, it would have been Ron DeSantis. He was the, when everybody else was faltering, including other Republican governors, just like the one here Mm -hmm. on liberty and freedom, trying to put you in jail for not wearing masks, uh, shutting down your businesses, shutting down society, he was open. He has weighed, he has, he has, he has dove in, you know, head first into cultural issues that are popular Mm -hmm. with Republican primary voters and been very successful at them. He has been on the front lines of, of tax reform. All these issues that if you were to say, I'm going to run my campaign around these three or four things and the look and the wife Mm -hmm. and the kids and the military service. He check, is, check, 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 he is check. by all standards mm-hmm. an A-plus Republican primary candidate. But then you throw Donald Trump into the equation, and he's going to have to figure out how do you break those people from Donald Trump, and logic doesn't work. I mean, I told you that conversation I had the other day with someone I really trust and I very, 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 very much admire, and that person said to me, you're right, Santos probably would, would be a much better governor uh, in terms of governing the nation. You're right, DeSantis would probably be a much better candidate in terms of electability, but I'm so convinced it's all rigged, and I'm so convinced they've stolen it to Trump, and it's not going to matter, and I'm voting, as I said, to extend the middle finger to the left, to the cabal, to the... Uh, so I said, so, okay, we're done here. Yeah. I'm not, you're acknowledging what I'm telling it you. It doesn't matter how great he is. Right. That's a vote on a motion. Exactly. Yeah. And so if the majority of people in a Republican primary are going to vote on emotion rather than logic, and they even recognize (laughs) they're voting on emotion based on logic, wish you the best. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Dick Morris, who is a Trump guy, he lays out DeSantis' strategy. The important point is, on 2024, DeSantis is now effectively... Uh, trying to do everything he can to stop Donald Trump from defeating Joe Biden. And what he's trying to do is to adopt a strategy of running to the right of Trump. He's telling the pro-life movement, for example, forget the three judges on the court, forget about overruling Roe v. Wade. You should oppose Trump because he doesn't support my bill, my proposal for a heartbeat bill on abortion which means that if you can detect a heartbeat six weeks after pregnancy, uh, you can, at that point, you can't have an abortion. 
And most women say, I didn't know I was pregnant then. And uh, the standard that the American people have congealed around is a consensus is a 15-week deadline. And uh, DeSantis is trying to squeeze Trump to the left on that issue, but squeeze Trump from the right on that issue. And uh, it's really potentially has the chance to help Joe Biden. Okay, so here's what DeSantis is going to have to decide. And only Ron DeSantis can make this choice. Are you all in now? Or are you willing to live to fight another day? Because there's that old, you know, what's the old saying? If you come for the king, you better not miss. If DeSantis decides I'm all in and my moment is now, then I think there is a way that you could. I'm not saying it's going to work, but I think the strategy has to be you come at Trump full force. And you, as we often talk about, hold the mirror up and make every Trump voter acknowledge what they're voting for, which is Donald Trump as the head of the federal government, was the facilitator of the lockdowns and the shutdowns via the bribery to the states that allowed them to do that. If Donald Trump and Todd Young and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi hadn't sent billions of dollars to Eric Holcomb, he could not have shut his state down. You have to be willing to make that case. And once you make it, it's like... you got to stay there. It's like crossing the line on Field yeah. of Dreams. Oh my gosh, Doc, you can't go back. Yeah. Once you do that, you can't go back. Now, if DeSantis decides, well, I could be the, you know, the heir apparent in four years and I'm just going to make a good case for myself and I'm just going to talk about me. Okay, that's not going to win. You've got to make people own what they're voting for. They may ultimately still do it, mm-hmm. but you're going to make them own it. And Trump was the the guy who promoted Fauci, and Trump was the guy who promoted the shot, and Trump was the guy who added $5 trillion in one year to the national debt, and Trump is the guy who didn't finish the wall. I mean, there's a million different areas where you can hit Donald Trump, and he's got no... I mean, he'll bully you, and he'll, he'll badmouth you, and he'll nickname you, but he has no answer for his voting record because it's abhorrent what he did during COVID. Does... Ron DeSantis have the hair on his peaches right to, to do say that, all these right? things and that's what he's got to say because Trump has come after DeSantis DeSantis has still been very quiet about going after Trump and is he going to do that well it sounds like according to that clip we just played from Dick Morris that he's saying that the abortion issue is going to be the difference between the two. Well, look, Morris is a, you know, have, check, will, arrive. You know, he's been that his whole life. He was for Clinton. He was for Trump. He's still for Trump. So he's obviously not a neutral arbiter in the discussion. But I think Ron DeSantis, now he describes it from the right. Look, if we in a Republican primary, if Donald Trump wants to come out and say, uh, there, you should be allowed to have abortions, well, okay, I think Ron DeSantis would love to have that argument if Donald Trump's going to advocate between 9 and 16 weeks that you should be able to suck the brains out of a defenseless fetus. I think Ron DeSantis is happy to have that argument. But I think the overall conversation for DeSantis has to be about the actual voting record of Trump because Trump can't say, and he tried to do it in that CNN town hall, oh my gosh, look at these judges I put that are so pro-life. Okay, well, do you support a national abortion ban? Yeah, he was really uncomfortable about he that He didn't question. want any part of that. And right. I, th- I think, especially with people who that is their issue, mm-hmm. DeSantis can make headway on that because then you can cut Trump's legs off on the judges if he's not, well, my judges were so pro-life. Okay, do you support a national abortion ban? Well, then how pro-life actually are you? The point is in all of this, these are the side issues, though. Mm-hmm. And that, you know me, I, you know, life is a very, very important issue for me. I'm saying to the general public, though, in the confines, the box where the majority of the public lives and votes, 
the the liberty and freedom stuff, the COVID stuff, the shutdowns, the lockdowns, I think is the most effective argument that DeSantis is is going to have against Trump. Okay, now we've been talking for quite a while that it's Trump and DeSantis. These are the two guys, but the field is getting much more crowded now. You've got Nikki Haley, you've got Asa Hutchinson, you've got uh, Perry Johnson, this guy from Michigan. Yeah, exactly, this guy from Michigan. Uh, Mike Pence talking about getting in, Chris Christie talking about getting in, some other governors from North Dakota and Chris Sununu. And now the mayor of Miami, Florida says that he's not ruling it out either he's strongly considering throwing his name well sure why yeah. not no, so but, let's but, just everybody everybody's gonna run for president this year but again notice i didn't mention vivek until uh, just now. Uh, okay let's take a break when we come back uh, desantis i want to play this audio from desantis mm-hmm. because he's uh all in and rightfully so they've got a bill passed that says if you're a dude mm-hmm. you go in the dude's locker room yeah if you're a chick you go in the chick lock the chick's locker room that should be pretty straightforward right cut However, and dry. it's 2023 casey so now we've got to pass laws saying right that. exactly kendall and casey are on 93 wibc whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you Two minutes after nine, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and trending this hour, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They have announced the Grand Marshal for the 107th running of the race, which will take place on Sunday, May 28th. Who is the Grand Marshal? Stephanie Beatritz. Who? Exactly. I don't know who this is either. And and I think maybe it's because I don't have any young children anymore that are into all of the Disney movies, but she is an actress and she did the voice of Mirabelle in the movie Encanto. The movie what? Encanto? Encanto, yeah. She's going to be this year's Grand Marshal. So the, th- oh, well, great on her. <laughs> and uh, I guess the theory is that Stephanie who? Yeah. What's her name? Beatrice. Okay. Beatrice. Uh, how do you spell it? B-E-A-T-R-I-Z. Beatrice. Seems like there used to be more high-profile people than some actress adults have never heard of as yeah. the Grand Marshal. Maybe I'm just, maybe I just remember things as being better than they once were. Don't you always do that though? Well, you know, when as, Bill- as you get older, well, the your great- house you grew up was, was bigger and things were shinier. The great Billy Joel once said, uh, the good old days weren't always so good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems. So yeah. maybe I'm just playing that out in real time. Also trending this morning, John Rich. He's a country singer and you remember uh, everything that happened with Bud Light and then Miller Light said hold my beer yes. with their latest commercial. Well, John Rich, he's known for his candid and unapologetic opinions and he didn't hold back on his criticism of the Miller Light marketing campaign. I mean, a, a cold beer at the end of the day, whether you're a man or a woman, you want to be left alone, you want to have your cold beer, uh, you don't want to get preached at. You know, you don't want to you don't want to be proselytized or hit with a bunch of mm-hmm. a bunch of narratives that uh, that you don't care to hear about. You're like, leave me alone. I'm trying to have a beer right now. <laughs> I think that's really where people are at. And the people running these ad campaigns, I mean, it's their right to market it however they want to. But whatever happened, just leave me alone and let me have my beer in peace. Right. He says kind of what you've been saying with these marketing companies. What are they doing? What are they thinking? Well, it's, it's almost impossible to believe. So these people, almost, you know, I assume all of them have college degrees. They've gone to the finest of institutions. 
I struggle to see how people with that level of education could do the things that they're doing and not know they are deliberately alienating their core consumer base. Mm Mm-hmm. Ford is now in this game as well. I don't know if you saw this commercial, but Ford put out a commercial with one of their trucks, and it's now it's a, a rainbow truck. Oh, yeah. Well, it, and look again. I am just a guy now. I was on the dean's list, Casey, uh, so I was at the top of my schooling, but just a guy with a, a general studies degree. So I didn't, you know, go to the Wharton School of Business or anything like that. But I feel like. If the radio guy with the general studies degree can look at something and say, that seems like a terrible idea and is going to be in direct conflict with your consumer base, Mm -hmm. then the fancy schmancy Harvard educated people that run a lot of these companies should be able and do see that and do know that too, which means they're deliberately doing things that are at odds with the people who most normally consume their product. This next one really bums me out because when I was young, it was always a treat. We would go to the grocery store and I get to pick out a Archie comic book. That's the one that I would always choose. I was allowed to pick out one comic book and I always went with Archie comics. But uh, they're going to transform one of their classic characters into a transgender woman now, making the series more queer. And speaking of that, Ron DeSantis, he signed three anti-trans bills into law. One of the bills limits LGBTQ plus schools curriculum and transgender care for minors. And another one criminalizes opposite sex restroom access in public buildings, schools and parks. Yeah. So he uh, again, we talked about this in the first segment with DeSantis in a lab of conservative Republican primary voters. It appears he was created because he has been just so good on so many of these issues. And yet, as we talked about last segment, he's going to have a very hard time winning because the Trump... The emotional uh, vote. The, yes, the Trump attraction, the Trump voter. I, I'm pretty convinced that bond is almost unbreakable. But he did comment yesterday on being able to weigh in on what used to be a common sense thing, Casey. Men dress with the men, women dress with the women. Which is ensuring women's safety, making sure that educational institutions, detention facilities, correctional institutes, juvenile facilities, and public buildings with a restroom, locker room, or changing facility, that they must have uh, separate facilities for men and women based on biological sex. A woman... a, A woman should not be in a locker room having to worry about someone from the opposite sex being in their locker room. And it's happening with, with athletics, with our, with our girl, girl athletes and women athletes, uh, also with some of these other things, whether it's a prison situation, uh, whether it's just the, the, these restrooms. Uh, you know, we want to make sure uh, that our girls and our women are protected. And so this bill does that and makes sure that they're not going to be exposed uh, to situations that, that are not in their best interest. So DeSantis and Trump, they could pit against each other on this topic because Trump did legislate against transgender people when he was in office, including through a ban on military service. 
All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Mm -hmm. uh, this was a crazy day on Capitol Hill yesterday. This FBI whistleblower, this guy used to work for the FBI, got bounced out of the FBI. Garrett O'Boyle is his name. And what he had to say yesterday about the FBI, unbelievable. Yeah, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Morning. It is 934. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So yesterday it was the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government hearing. And there were some FBI whistleblowers there. And one of them said that the FBI created an Orwellian atmosphere. He made it so people didn't want to speak up because they were too scared that their life would be ruined. Yeah, so there were multiple people who talked yesterday, and, and the one that's getting all the attention is this guy, Garrett O'Boyle, and he was a former FBI agent. I believe he was a, a member of the military before that. He was that. out of the Miami Bureau. Yeah, and um, his his testimony yesterday was so incredibly powerful because he essentially confirmed what I mean look you just look at the actions and you realize what's going on but this is a guy who was on the inside who essentially yesterday confirmed that there is a weaponization of that area of our government with you know arresting powers and investigative powers and all points in between and they are were whatever word you want to use actively working against Donald Trump, both as a candidate for president and as the president of the United States. And why wouldn't it be, you know, again, now as another, once again, a candidate for president? It was shocking. So a couple of clips I want to play for you because it was was a long, long thing. Um, Here he says that the FBI regularly instills fear into their agents to do what they want rather than what's right. Despite our oath to uphold the Constitution, too many in the FBI aren't willing to sacrifice for the hard right over the easy wrong. They see what becomes of whistleblowers, how the FBI destroys their careers, suspends them under false pretenses, takes their security clearances and pay with no true options for real recourse or remedy. This is by design. It creates an Orwellian atmosphere that silences opposition and discussion. We know what is right to do. Yet we too often refuse to do what is right because of the difficulty and suffering it incurs. I couldn't knowingly continue on this path silently without speaking out against the weaponization I witnessed, even if it meant losing my job, my career, my livelihood, my family's home, and now my anonymity. It's up to members of this committee, current and former FBI employees, and indeed all Americans, to ensure that the weaponization of our own government against the people comes to an end, no matter the personal cost. Okay, so Republicans are framing that these whistleblowers are courageous for coming forward. But Democrats, on the other hand, are saying that, you know, they're questioning the access that they had to the information and they're questioning their credibility. And in some cases, they're saying that these people aren't even whistleblowers. (laughs) Of course, right? Yeah, just like what he said. They're going to question your credibility. Yeah, and, and so that was his opening statement. Like I said, there's so much in between. But he, um, the close of his of his testimony, commentary, whatever you want to call it, was incredibly powerful uh, because, and he takes a question from one of the, the congressmen here. 
He closed the scared old boil by saying the FBI will crush you mm-hmm. if you try to expose them. All of the hardships you've gone through. If one of your really good friends, your former colleagues, came to you and said, I have this thing that is being covered up, and I think the American people know to, know, need to know about it, what advice would you give them? I would tell them first to pray about it long and hard. And I would tell them I could take it to Congress for them or I could put them in touch with Congress, but I would advise them not to do it. So you would legitimately try to protect one of your colleagues from doing what you have done? Absolutely. And how do you think that solves being able to shine light on corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people? It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. That's chilling. Here's a guy who's just trying to do his job, shine light on the truth, and he was punished for it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the guy in New York, Daniel Penny. Yeah. Just trying to do the right thing. And then it gets turned around on him. Yeah, that's a great point, Casey. All right. um, I did want to play this, though, because I thought Alan Dershowitz, famed attorney, probably best known for representing one of 10,000 people who represented O.J. Simpson. But he was actually Trump's attorney during uh, impeachment number, I think it was number two. And uh, Dershowitz is interesting because he's a super liberal and he was very adamant, I voted against Trump both times, but Trump is getting totally railroaded, and this is ridiculous what they're doing to him. He was on Newsmax yesterday, and he had a really, what I thought was a really interesting take on this, because the narrative has now become the the FBI is arming themselves, working themselves against Republicans. And Dershowitz says, no, 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 you guys are missing this. They're not anti-Republican. Many of these people are Republican. They're anti-Trump. And this is what we have been saying on this show for a long time, which is there is a huge void between Republican and conservative now. There is a huge void between Republican and liberty now. The Republicans are not your friend. They're not your buddy. They, If you are a conservative or a liberty-minded person or an anti-establishment person, they hate you and will weaponize themselves against you at all costs. Dershowitz says basically the same thing. I think the Republicans uh, are missing the point. Uh, this is not the FBI turning against Republicans. I think the majority of FBI agents are Republicans. And uh, most of the leaders of the FBI, many of whom I've known over the years, have tended to be Republicans. This is all about Donald Trump. The vast majority of FBI agents are anti-Trump, even the Republicans. And it's the anti-Trump issue, the get Trump aspect of this, which is most significant. So I think it's a mistake to accuse the FBI of favoring Democrats over Republicans. I just don't think it's true. It is true that FBI, many FBI agents, perhaps most, and certainly the heads of the FBI, uh, are very anti-Trump. And you might call them, you know, the deep state. I don't know whether that exists or not. But the focus, really, the change occurred when uh, Trump announced his candidacy. And there's a widespread feeling among FBI agents and among many in the intelligence community and government, Republicans and Democrats alike, that Trump was dangerous to the national security. That doesn't justify 
what's gone on. Um, in my book, Get Trump, I argue that these are good people doing bad things. They're doing it because they think that there's a higher purpose to defeat Trump, to defeat anybody that's on his side, to defeat anything that he's done. And they are destroying the Constitution in the process. But it's not anti-Republican. It's anti-Trump. What is the higher purpose to get Trump? Can you say that in English, Casey? He Dershowitz just said it's a higher purpose. The higher purpose is to get Trump. What is that higher purpose? Well, they they what's George Carlin say years ago? It's a big club, and you're not in it, right? And so Trump was the guy. It's the whole reason I supported Trump and voted for him the first time. I was not under any delusion that Donald Trump was going to be a conservative or a, you know, a liberty-minded president. But I knew Donald Trump was so hated that he would... We got into this yesterday with Hammer and Nigel. It is really easy for somebody to come off as being the nice guy when they always get their way. And you know where you see this more than any other place in Indiana, Casey, is our public schools. These superintendents, these school boards, as long as they're getting their way, as long as they're getting whatever they want, which they normally do, well, it's really easy to be a really nice guy. It's really easy to be above reproach. It's very easy to be distinguished. But when you push back on them, whether it's on SEL or DEI or CRT or referendums or whatever, this highly egregious stuff that these school systems do on a daily basis, well, then the nasty comes out mm-hmm. because the mask gets gets pulled back because that's who they are when they're not getting their way. And what you have seen with our government, and Trump did a phenomenal job at this, is the one thing Trump did really well, is he exposed who these people are entrenched in deep, deep within the government. And so that is the higher power, right? That is the higher purpose. They have to get rid of Trump so that they can ensure business as usual. Right, keep being the nice right? guys. These whistleblowers are alleging that the FBI has inflated st- statistics on the uh, domestic violent extremism. And also, New York Post is reporting that the FBI dropped four probes into Hillary Clinton ahead of the 2016 election. Alright, when we come back, Casey. Yeah. There's something very weird going on in Indiana, and that is <laughs> that our old pal Lockdown McGee, mm-hmm. high tax Holcomb, yeah. whatever we're calling him, today uh, still has not endorsed his sitting lieutenant governor. Aren't they besties? She has been so silent and so supportive of the tax increases and the lockdowns and the mask mandates and the growth of government and all the spending and the the trails and just all of it. And he will not endorse her. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You can have a social life. Caviar, honey, champagne night. Good morning, 948. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And he sticks landing. That's what he's hoping to do. We're talking about Eric Holcomb. Yeah, he's stuck. He's stuck he's it. Stuck right. something. He's <laughs> stuck it to the people of the state for six and a half years now. He's done a phenomenal job at one thing, and that is sticking the landing, sticking it to us. So he's kind of dancing around an endorsement of his lieutenant governor. He was asked about it. He said it's still May. 
I got time. He's trying to stick the landing first. Well, this is so this is fascinating. Of course, uh, Holcomb is term limited and uh, I'm sure very actively in search of his next public grift that he can uh, participate in where he is paid the most amount of money to do the least amount of work possible. Uh, And as being term limited, his uh, very silent, supportive governor, Suzanne Crouch, who, of course, Casey, we know, has been totally silent as Holcomb uh, met with Malik Mohammed, uh, the VIP meet and greet. Uh, uh, Malik now, of course, in prison out there in Portland for uh, attempting to kill cops. And you may remember Malik led that very angry mob down to the governor's mansion, threatened to seize the mansion on live TV. And Holcomb's response to that was not to put him in jail so that he couldn't endanger others in the future, you know, like in Portland trying to kill cops. Holcomb not only let him walk, he had a VIP meet and greet with him and let him write part of the police reform bill. Suzanne didn't say anything about that. Uh, You may remember Suzanne being totally silent when Holcomb tried to put you in jail for not wearing a mask, which would have been the law in Indiana had Curtis Hill not intervened on that. Uh, You may remember Suzanne being totally silent when Holcomb shut the state down, uh, put over a million people out of work, uh, closed tens of thousands of businesses, many of them never to reopen. Suzanne very supportive of that through her her silence. Uh, You may remember Suzanne being incredibly silent through all the Holcomb tax increases, the largest in state history that goes up every year, including 90 million in new taxes uh, on gas in the the budget. Suzanne very supportive and silent on that. Um, All of these things, I mean, we could be here for a whole show talking about how silent and supportive Suzanne Crouch has been of Eric Holcomb. And yet, yeah, I mean, it would be like you work with someone for six and a half years and they have just been totally supportive and, you know, you re-upped with them, a contract with them when you ran together again and you won't, you won't throw your public support behind them. Boy, with friends like that, Casey, right. who needs enemies? Okay, so he's saying that there's something to be said for going out there and making sure folks understand that you're your own person. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> People need to feel liberated to do that. She hasn't spoken up in six years, but now, now he's saying... Go speak up for yourself. Well, and let's rem- that's hilarious on so many levels because essentially Suzanne Crouch's entire rise through state government has been by people giving her stuff. Suzanne Crouch being her own person is laughable. She was given the state auditor's position by Mike Pence. By the way, as I, I know I've said this numerous times, um, I'm so excited for Mike Pence to declare he's running for president. And then we can talk all about the time I worked in the state auditor's office. You know, I worked for three mm-hmm. three state auditors there, Casey, in about six months. And boy, that was, a, that was a wild and wacky time. And so many really, really interesting things happened there. And I've been sitting on that story for about nine years. And so I'm really excited to, to talk about that. And Suzanne's in there. She's part of that. And uh, so she was given that. Uh, then she was given the lieutenant governor's position when she was chosen by Holcomb to be lieutenant governor. So that is a level of laughable I can't even describe that she's her own person she's she's standing up for herself well he went on to say that he doesn't want people to think that she's a clone of him and that she's devoted her entire adult life to public service and that people need to get to know her but yet where is she Where is Braun on this governor's race? (laughs) Where is Eric Doden on the governor's race? Isn't it time for these guys to start speaking up and telling people what they stand for? Well, and she is rolling out, she being Suzanne, the, I call it, uh, establishment palooza 
on these endorsements. Greg Pence, Larry Bouchon, the mayor of Noblesville. I saw Wendy McNamara uh, in there. I mean, so this idea that like, oh, I'm totally distancing myself from Holcomb and his cronies. Get lost, lady. Is this the sort of situation where maybe you don't want his endorsement? Well, I think that's part of it, right? No, no, no. I'm good. Don't endorse me. That may very well actually be part of it because she knows what a complete poison he is in terms of conservatives who will vote predominantly in a Republican primary. Now, what's interesting, Casey, and I was just told this last night, there is a big announcement coming on June the 5th. Mm. Uh, Our friend, friend of the show, Micah Beckwith, uh, said, I have a big announcement at the Statehouse June the 5th. However, before I venture over to the Statehouse to make the announcement, Mm -hmm. I'd like to come by your radio show first. So I am told there's going to be a big announcement from Micah Beckwith June the 5th. And I'm not... I don't want to speculate, but if we might just take a little detour here. Okay. The fact that your choices as governor right now, because let's face it, whoever wins this primary, whatever underachiever wins is going to be the governor in all likelihood, is Doden, Braun, and Suzanne. Mm -hmm. It underscores, and again, I have no idea what Micah's announcement's going to be on June the 5th, so we'll we'll all be surprised when he comes in here. It does underscore the delegates to the Republican convention picking a lieutenant governor who is not the chosen choice of whoever the governor nominee is. You cannot trust any of these people. You cannot trust Doden. You cannot trust Braun. You certainly cannot trust Suzanne Crouch because... They're, what are they doing now? Well, she had an opportunity to hold Holcomb accountable and did not. So maybe a different lieutenant governor will hold one of these other people That is your only, 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 only shot because, look, even Braun. You know, Braun tries to take this conservative man, mantra, mantle, whatever you want to say, in Washington. Look at his record when he was in the state house. He rolled over and played dead and voted for all those Holcomb tax increases, including that tax on gas, which has now probably cost Hoosiers well over a half a billion dollars. If you're stupid enough and willing to vote for that, you're not a conservative. You're not looking out for the taxpayers. So whoever of these three people it's going to be, we really need. And the fact that I mean, Suzanne Crouch could have been a hero. That's the takeaway from this. Suzanne Crouch could have spent this past six years. Well, she wouldn't have got asked to run again, but she could have certainly during the COVID Malik Muhammad love affair spoke up period. Yeah. Been a great voice for liberty and freedom. She could have saved businesses potentially. She could have saved jobs potentially. She could have saved the city potentially by mandating that Holcomb or, or, or demanding that Holcomb send the National Guard to secure downtown Indianapolis. She did none of that. Yeah. But yet we're supposed to believe, oh, uh, I'm letting her be her own person. So yeah. all okay, three of McGee, these okay. conservative contenders have really deep pockets. And yet whoever wins is going to be one of the highest paid governors in the country. Funny how that works out, isn't it, Casey? Yeah. Hey, we've got Tony Kinnett joining us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.